Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Beloved listeners, welcome to today's radio program. I'm Carlote Gonomo and I'm very happy to be back with you to present the New Zealand Greek Metropolis's Christian Orthodox radio program on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is with the blessing of our Archbishop Kyrios Kyrios Miron. We hope you'll find today's program both interesting and spiritually enlightening with its mix of readings and explanations from the Holy Gospel, readings from spiritual books, some discussion on the lives of the saints, hymns and notices. Now for a few words of introduction in Greek. Αγαπητοί ακροατές, χαίρετε. Σας ευχαριστούμε που είστε συντονισμένοι μαζί μας για ακόμη μία φορά στην εκπομπή της Ερεάς Μητροπόλεως Νέας Ζηλανδίας στο Wellington's Access Radio 106,1 FM η οποία γίνεται με την ευλογία του Μητροπολίτου μας κύριος κύριος Μύρονας. Ελπίζουμε να σας έχουμε μαζί μας καθόλη την διάρκεια της εκπομπής μας από την οποία εύχομαι όλοι μας να οφειλεθούμε πνευματικά. Και τώρα ας ξεκινήσουμε το πρόγραμμά μας με την προσευχή Βασιλέ Φουράνιε. Βασιλέ Φουράνιε, παράκλητε το πνεύμα της αληθείας, ο πανταχού παρών και τα πάντα πληρών, ο θησαυρός των αγαθών και ζωής χορηγός, έλθε και σκήνωσον εν ημίν, και καθάρισον ημάς από πάσης κυλίδος, και σώσον αγαθέτας ψυχάς ημών. O Heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who art everywhere present and fillest all things, treasury of good things and giver of life, come and dwell in us and cleanse us from all impurities and save our souls, O Gracious One. Let's spend some time now talking about important church events, as well as the lives of some of the church's athletes, whom we commemorate either today or will do so during the week to come. Today is the Sunday of the Holy Cross, and we will hear about this later. I will speak about St. Mary of Egypt, whom we will commemorate, God willing, on the 1st of April. 
As we've said previously, the reason we read and talk about important church events and our saints is so that we learn from them and apply these learnings to our everyday lives, essentially to give us the courage and strength to face all our trials and tribulations with faith, patience and love. Let's start out with speaking about St. Mary of Egypt. The story of her life starts out with St. Zosimus, a monk at a Palestinian monastery. Having dwelt at the monastery since his childhood, he lived there in asceticism until the age of 53. Then he was disturbed by the thought that he had attained perfection and needed no one to instruct him. He thought to himself, Is there a monk anywhere who can show me some form of asceticism that I have not attained? Is there anyone who has surpassed me in spiritual sobriety and deeds? Suddenly an angel appeared to him and said, Zosimus, you have struggled valiantly as far as this is in the power of man. However, there is no one who is righteous. So that you may know how many other ways lead to salvation, leave your native land like Abraham from the house of his father and go to the monastery by the Jordan. So he immediately left and following the angel went to the Jordan monastery. Here he met elders who were skilled in contemplation and ascetical struggles. Never did anyone say an idle word, instead they sang constantly and prayed all night long. So he too started to live as they did. Time passed and the holy 40-day fast approached. There was a custom at the monastery, which was why God had led St. Zosimus there. That being that on the first Sunday of Great Lent, the abbot served divine liturgy and everyone received the all-pure body and blood of Christ. Afterwards they ate a little and returned to church. Here they prayed, made prostrations and asked forgiveness of each other. After making a prostration before the abbot and asking his blessing for the struggle that lay before them, they all went off into the wilderness. Each took some food, but when that ran out, they ate roots and desert plants. They crossed the Jordan and went their separate way, returning to the monastery on Palm Sunday. So St. Zosimus left too and went deep into the desert, hoping to find someone who could help him. He walked for 20 days and then suddenly, while singing psalms and praying, he saw a human form. He was afraid, thinking it might be a demon, so made the sign of the cross and saw that the body was black from the blazing sun and the faded short hair was white like a sheep's fleece. The desert dweller saw Zosimus approaching and tried to run away. He, however, quickened his pace and called out, Why do you flee from me, a sinful old man? Wait for me, for the love of God. The stranger said, Forgive me, Abba Zosimus, but I cannot turn and show my face to you. I am a woman, and as you see, I am naked. If you would grant the request of a sinful woman, throw me your cloak so I might cover my body, and then I can ask for your blessing." He became frightened, realising that she could not have called him by name unless she possessed spiritual insight. Covered by the cloak, she turned to him and said, Why do you want to speak with me, a sinful woman? What did you wish to learn from me, you who have not shrunk from such great labours? Saint Zosimus fell to the ground and asked for her blessing. 
She also bowed down and for a long time they remained on the ground, each asking the other to bless. Finally the woman said, Abba Zosimus, you must bless and pray since you are honoured with the grace of the priesthood. For many years you have stood before the holy altar, offering the holy gifts to the Lord. These words frightened him even more. With tears he said to her, O mother, it is clear that you live with God and are dead to this world. You have called me by my name and recognised me as a priest, though you have never seen me before. The grace granted you is apparent, therefore bless me for the Lord's sake. Finally, she said, Blessed is God who cares for the salvation of men. He replied, Amen. Then they rose to their feet. She again said to him, Why have you come, Father, to me, who am a sinner, bereft of every virtue? Apparently the grace of the Holy Spirit has brought you to do me a service. But tell me first, Abba, how do the Christians live? How is the church guided? St. Zosimus answered her, By your holy prayers God has granted the church and us all a lasting peace. But fulfill my unworthy request, Mother, and pray for the whole world and for me a sinner, that my wanderings in the desert may not be useless. She replied, You, Abba Zosimus, as a priest, ought to pray for me and for all, for you are called to do this. However, since we must be obedient, I will do as you ask. So she turned toward the east, and raising her eyes to heaven and stretching out her hands, she began to pray. She prayed so softly that he could not hear her words. After a long time, he looked up and saw her standing in the air more than a foot above the ground. Seeing this, he threw himself down on the ground, weeping and repeating, Lord, have mercy. Then he was tempted by a thought. He wondered if she might be an evil spirit. At that moment she turned around, lifted him from the ground and said, Why do your thoughts confuse you, Abba Zosimus? I am not an apparition. I am a sinful and unworthy woman, though I am guarded by holy baptism. Then she made the sign of the cross and said, May God protect us from the evil one and his schemes, for fierce is his struggle against us. Seeing and hearing this, the elder fell at her feet with tears, saying, I beseech you by Christ our God, do not conceal from me who you are and how you came into this desert. Tell me everything, so that the wondrous works of God may be revealed. She replied, It distresses me, Father, to speak to you about my shameless life. When you hear my story, you might flee from me as if from a poisonous snake. But I shall tell you everything, Father, concealing nothing. However, I exhort you, cease not to pray for me, a sinner, that I may find mercy on the day of judgment. I was born in Egypt, and when I was twelve years old, I left my parents and went to Alexandria. There I lost my chastity and gave myself to unrestrained sensuality for more than seventeen years. To me, life consisted in the satisfaction of my fleshly lust. One summer, I saw a crowd of people on their way to the Jerusalem for the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. I also wanted to sail with them. Since I had no food or money, I offered my body in payment for my passage. I arrived in Jerusalem and spent all the days before the feast living the same sort of life and maybe even worse. 
When the holy feast arrived, I went about as before looking for young men. At daybreak, I saw that everyone was heading to the church, so I went along with them. When the hour of the holy elevation drew nigh, I tried to enter into the church with all the people. With great effort, I came almost to the doors and attempted to squeeze inside. Although I stepped up to the threshold, it was as though some force held me back, preventing me from entering. I was brushed aside by the crowd and found myself standing alone on the porch. I thought that perhaps this happened because of my womanly weakness. I worked my way into the crowd and again I attempted to elbow people aside. However hard I tried, I could not enter. Just as my feet touched the church threshold, I was stopped. Others entered the church without difficulty while I alone was not allowed in. This happened three or four times. Finally, my strength was exhausted. I went off and stood in a corner of the church portico. Then I realized that it was my sins that prevented me from seeing the life-creating wood. The grace of the Lord then touched my heart. I wept and lamented, and I began to beat my breast. Sighing from the depths of my heart, I saw above me an icon of the most holy Theodokos. Turning to her, I prayed, after which I felt confidence in the compassion of the Mother of God and left the spot where I had been praying. I joined those entering the church and no one pushed me back or prevented me from entering. I went on in fear and trembling and entered the holy place. I also saw the mysteries of God and how God accepts the penitent. I fell to the holy ground and kissed it. Then I hastened again to stand before the icon of the Mother of God, and I prayed again. Then I heard a voice from on high. If you cross the Jordan, you will find glorious rest. I immediately believed that this voice was meant for me, and I cried out to the Mother of God, O Lady, do not forsake me. Then I left the church portico and started on my journey. A man gave me three coins as I was leaving the church, with which I bought three loaves of bread. It was nine o'clock when I saw the cross. At sunset I reached the church of St. John the Baptist on the banks of the Jordan. After praying there, I went down to the Jordan and washed my face and hands in its water. Then, in the same temple, I received the life-creating mysteries of Christ. I ate half of one of my loaves of bread, drank water from the Holy Jordan, and slept there that night on the ground. In the morning, I found a small boat and crossed the river. Again, I prayed that the Mother of God would lead me where she wished. Then, I found myself in this desert. I'm going to stop the reading at this point as it's a long reading and I will break it with St. Mary of Egypt's Apolitikion and then continue reading after that. Oh, 
now to our reading about St. Mary of Egypt. St. Sosimus asked her, How many years have passed since you began to live in the desert? I think she replied, It is 47 years. He then asked, What food do you find here, mother? And she said, I had with me two and a half loaves of bread when I crossed the Jordan. Soon they dried out and hardened. Eating a little at a time, I finished them after a few years. He said, Is it possible you have survived for so many years without sickness and without suffering in any way from such a complete change? Believe me, Abba Zosimus, I spent 17 years in this wilderness fighting wild beasts, mad desires and passions. When I began to eat bread, I thought of the meat and fish which I had in abundance in Egypt. I also missed the wine that I loved so much when I was in the world, while here I did not even have water. I suffered from thirst and hunger. I also had a mad desire for lured songs. I seemed to hear them disturbing my heart and my hearing. Weeping and striking myself on the breast, I remembered the vow I had made. Thus I lived in this wilderness for the first seventeen years. Darkness after darkness, misery after misery stood about me, a sinner. But from that time until now the Mother of God helps me in everything." He again inquired, How is it that you require neither food nor clothing? She answered, After finishing my bread, I lived on herbs and the things one finds in the desert. The clothes I had when I crossed over the Jordan became torn and fell apart. I suffered both from the summer heat and from the winter cold. Many times I fell down upon the earth as though dead. I struggled with various afflictions and temptations. But from that time until the present day, the power of God has guarded my sinful soul and humble body. I was fed and clothed by the all-powerful word of God. When St. Zosimus heard that the holy ascetic quoted the holy scripture from memory, he asked, Mother, have you read the Psalms and other books? She answered, Believe me, I have seen no human face from yours from the time that I crossed over the Jordan. I never learned from books. I have never heard anyone read or sing from them. Perhaps the word of God, which is alive and acting, teaches man knowledge by itself. This is the end of my story. As I asked when I began, I beg you for the sake of the incarnate word of God, Holy Abba, pray for me, a sinner. Furthermore, I beg you for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour, tell no one what you have heard from me until God takes me from this earth. Next year, during Great Lent, do not cross the Jordan, as is the custom of your monastery. Again, St. Zosimus was amazed that the practice of his monastery was known to the holy woman ascetic, although he had not said anything to her about this. Remain at the monastery, she continued. Even if you try to leave the monastery, you will not be able to do so. On Great and Holy Thursday, the day of the Lord's Last Supper, place the life-creating body and blood of Christ our God in a holy vessel and bring it to me. Await me on this side of the Jordan, at the edge of the desert, so that I may receive the holy mysteries, and say to Abba John, the abbot of your community, Look to yourself and your brothers, for there is much that needs correction. Do not say this to him now, but when the Lord shall indicate. Asking for his prayers, the woman turned and vanished into the desert. For a whole year, St. Zosimus remained silent and prayed that the Lord would grant him to see the holy ascetic once more. 
when the first week of Great Lent came, he was obliged to remain at the monastery because of sickness. Then he remembered the woman's prophetic words that he would not be able to leave the monastery. After several days he became well, but he remained at the monastery until Holy Week. On Holy Thursday he did what he had been ordered to do. He placed some of the body and blood of Christ into a chalice and some food in a small basket. Then he left the monastery and went to the Jordan and waited for her. Finally he saw her standing on the far side of the river. Rejoicing, he got up and glorified God. Then he wondered how he, she could cross the Jordan without a boat. She made the sign of cross over the water and walked on it, thus crossing the Jordan. He saw her in the moonlight walking toward him. When he wanted to make prostration before her, she forbade him, crying out, What are you doing, Abba? You are a priest, and you carry the holy mysteries of God. Reaching the shore, she said, Bless me, Father. He answered her with trembling, astonished at what he had seen. Truly God did not lie when he promised that those who purify themselves will be like him. Glory to you, O Christ our God, for showing me through your holy servant how far I am from perfection. The woman asked him to recite both the creed and the Our Father. When the prayers were finished, she partook of the holy mysteries of Christ, then raised her hands to the heavens and said, Now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. The saint turned to the elder and said, Please, Abba, fulfill another request. Go now to your monastery, and in a year's time come to the place where we first spoke. He said, If only it were possible for me to follow you and always see your holy face. She replied, For the Lord's sake, pray for me and remember my wretchedness. Again she made the sign of the cross over the Jordan and walked over it, disappearing into the desert. St. Zosimus returned to the monastery with joy and terror, reproaching himself because he had not asked her name. He hoped to do so the following year. A year passed and again he went into the desert and reached the place where he had first seen her. But she lay dead, with her arms folded on her chest and her face was turned to the east. He washed her feet with his tears and kissed them. For a long time he wept over her and sang the customary psalms and said the funeral prayers. He began to wonder whether the saint would want him to bury her or not. Then he saw something written on the ground near her head. Abazosimus, bury on this spot the body of humble Mary. Return to dust what is dust. Pray to the Lord for me. I reposed on the first day of April, on the very night of the saving passion of Christ, after partaking of the mystical supper. Glorifying God, St. Zosimus said to himself, It is time to do what she asks, but how can I dig a grave with nothing in my hands? Then he saw a small piece of wood, took it and tried to dig, but was unable to because the ground was hard and dry. Looking up, he saw an enormous lion standing by the saint's body licking her feet. Then the lion came close to him, and he commanded it to dig the grave, which it did. After that, each went on his own way, the lion into the desert and St. Zosimus to the monastery, blessing and praising God. Arriving at the monastery, he told the monks and the abbot what he had seen and heard from St. Mary. 
all were astonished, and the abbot heeded St. Mary's advice as was relayed to him by St. Zosimus, and, with the help of God, corrected the things that were wrong at the monastery. St. Zosimus remained at the monastery, reaching nearly a hundred years of age, before he reposed in peace. If you've just joined us, welcome to the Holy Metropolis of New Zealand's Christian Orthodox Radio Program on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM. I'm Carlotta Economo and I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this and previous programs at your convenience anytime that suits you on the Access Radio website at www.accessradio.org.nz. Click onto the Religion and Spirituality link, then scroll down to the Greek Orthodox Holy Metropolis of New Zealand section. It's now time for question for the priest and Father Meletios, priest, monk and abbot from our monastery in Levin, will answer the question, what is egoism or pride and what is the problem of ego? Our Holy Fathers speak of the goal of the spiritual journey as a transfiguration of the human being into an entirely different order of human existence, one in which the ego is killed and we are reborn. Reality at all levels and in every dimension is a mystery, Archbishop Lazar Puhalo writes. What we perceive is the surface of reality, which is penetrated only with great effort over time. The more deeply we penetrate into this perceived reality, the greater the mystery becomes. Ego or egoism, this sense of self-importance, is actually refusal of reality. Ego is the flower that comes out from the death of love. When we kill love, the result is ego, the false self. Where egoism is, there the Spirit of God is not. A person who suffers from egoism attracts no one, and if he does attract someone, he will soon flee. St. Amphilochius of Patmos said. Pride is the energy that flows from the seed of ego, the false self. Basically it means that he who is mastered by this passion observes himself as different and as greater than what he in reality actually is, and dwells in selfishness, egoism. The desire to present himself as such we call pride. In other words, ego is obscuring us from seeing reality as it actually is. Pride is deception and blindness. One of the definitions of pride is that it is a lack of acknowledgement of our own weakness and also the lack of knowledge of God's omnipotence. On the one hand, we do not know our fallen nature in its fallen state and on the other we have no experience of God and often we live in the absence of faith in Him. In that state we are living a false reality and we make decisions that can endanger our internal life and salvation and often hurt our loved ones. Like all other passions, pride is also recognized in relation to other people. Ego is manifested within a man as absence of trust. Ego, that false self, is born when we do not trust others, when we are afraid of others, when we need weapons against others, 
then we need to have an ego because we are in the false way of life. We think only of ourselves and we see only our ego. But when we see each other, then we trust each other. There is no need of ego, no reason for ego, no possibility for ego. Ego is the insistence on our separation, our independence, our solitude, our need to be alone, to have our own way of thinking that satisfies us and preserves our personality in a false way. Where there is ego, there is no true love, selflessness, willingness to sacrifice for others. No matter how much someone in pride shows himself as humble and meek, the absence of love cannot be hidden, because love is not expressed in words, but in deeds. When a man begins to acquire humility, gradually he ceases to judge others, stops looking at their weaknesses, or if he sees them, he recognizes them as part of the fallen nature which we all share. Saints, through advancing in the experience of God as He is, Theoria, were becoming more humble and ever more deeply would they sense sinfulness, in other words, the reality of the fallen nature. Genuine humility means to see reality as it actually is in God. It means to get to know oneself and others as known by God. A power, according to Saint Isaac, greater than that of raising the dead. Also his words are that the man who is deemed worthy to see himself is greater than he who is deemed worthy to see the angels. Ego created by our own thoughts and feelings prevents us from observing ourselves spiritually but makes us admire ourselves and live in a false existence. We blame others for everything that is happening around us. Often we are full of bitterness or even unhealthy eagerness and constantly condemn and estimate others by our own standards. Pride in its most heavy forms leads to self-deification. In other words, deification of our own intellect and such a man projects on God his own thoughts and feelings and lives in a false belief that he knows the will of God. Father Dimitrius Staniloe points out that this egoism is our greatest obstacle. So the greatest and continuous obstacle in the way of our progress to love is egoism. Until egoism completely dies, you can't have true love. He who loves himself, who is full of self-admiration, who considers himself as the most important of all, can't love others. To love others means to forget yourself, to always go beyond yourself, to consider yourself as nothing. The love of others is consolated in us by uninterrupted dependence and humility. It is clear that no one can approach or enter this kingdom, this paradise, unless he leaves behind the ocean of numberless sirens of egoism. It is such a powerful adversary because it is the adversary within us. According to Elder Dionysius, the real enemy is the ego. It is enemy for it is against love. When I look at myself, I don't love others. When I want to satisfy myself, this satisfaction is gained through sacrificing the freedom of the other. Then my ego becomes my Lord, my God, and there is no stronger temptation than this. Because to us this ego may seem like a diamond, the ego is just like a fire without light, a fire without warmth, a fire without life. It seems that it has many sides and many possibilities. But what is this possibility? What is ego? Only the means by which I protect myself as if I were in a battle, as if every other person is my enemy and the only thing I care about is winning the victory.
In the suffering and temptation, proud man becomes upset, loses hope and faith, and often can sink completely into despair and hopelessness because all the hopes he laid on himself and his own abilities. In the simpler and more easily recognizable form of pride, a proud man prides himself for his natural gifts, believes that God had given him some special mission, and often publicly scorns and insults others whom considers beneath him. Here is a thought of a St. John of Kronstadt that can help us to contemplate on the pride in our own hearts. You are angry with your neighbor. You despise him, do not like to speak peaceably and lovingly to him, because there is something harsh, abrupt, careless, unpleasant to you in his character, in his speech, in his manners, because he is more conscious of his dignity than perhaps is necessary, or because he may be somewhat proud and disrespectful. But you yourself, your neighbor's physician and teacher, are more guilty than him. Spiritual repose is derived only from humility and meekness. Thus said our Lord, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Humble means being unable to have malice and hatred, means having no enemies. If a certain man causes him offense, he sees in this man a tool of justice and providence of God. Father Stephen Freeman describes ego as something that is standing in opposition to our heart, our spiritual center, the eye of the soul. The problem we encounter with the ego is that it is often that part of ourselves which is presented to the world around us. The heart, nous, remains relatively hidden. It is largely the ego that we meet in argument both someone else's as well as our own. Such an encounter is the meeting of two figments of the imagination, an event destined for non-existence. Sharing the gospel of Christ with another human being is not intended for the ego. The ego can be very religious, but not to its salvation nor the salvation of the heart. It is in the heart, the true self, that we meet Christ. And he continues, The ego never understands. It judges, compares, even tries an idea on, but never understands. Understanding is a function of the heart. The ego is riddled with anxiety. Its existence is often maintained by constant anxiety. Cares and deceit will rob it of any true planting of the word. In truth, there is no soil in the ego. The heart is the place where we have root in ourselves. It is the seat of understanding. There and there alone the seed bears fruit. So the true orthodox way of life is the way of humility. For a humble and broken heart God will not despise. It is not easy to gain humility. It requires a lot of effort and time. The execution of egoism requires that we sacrifice ourselves, trample selfishness and embrace the perfect self-denial, determinedly start to love obedience, and then we will, in bloody battle with God's help, destroy egoism. Elder Dionysius the Lord calls us to transform. He wants to give us our reality, our real self, which we have lost. And in spiritual life, especially in the monastic life, this ego really can transform, just as when the disciples, having followed Christ to the top of Mount Tabor, witnessed his body transformed into light. Many fathers used to explain that the transfiguration didn't actually happen to the body of Christ, but to the eyes of his disciples, because at that moment their eyes transformed that they could see what Christ had always been, shining, full of light. Through their humility, 
through following Christ, they were brought to the top of this mountain to enjoy this reality, and every one of us can receive this blessing. Our nature can be transformed. It's now time for Father Thaddeus to speak to us in Greek, and today he is going to talk to us about fasting. Αδελφοί μου χριστιανοί, χαίρετε εν Κύριου. Με τη χάρη του Αγίου Θεού είμαστε και πάλι σήμερα μαζί, οπότε το θέμα που θα μας απασχολεί σήμερα είναι η νηστεία, ή θα τολμούσα να πω η Αγία νηστεία και θα το εξηγήσω παρακάτω. Η νηστεία είναι ένα πολύ παρεξηγημένο θέμα στις ημέρες μας, με αποτέλεσμα πολλοί από εμάς τους λεγομένους Ορθοδόξους Χριστιανούς να μην την αποδεχόμαστε και όχι μόνο αυτό, αλλά να την αντιμετωπίζουμε σαν κάτι ξένο και αχρίαστο στην πνευματική μας ζωή και στην σωτηρία της ψυχής μας. Έτσι λοιπόν για να το ερώτημα, τελικά χρειάζεται η νηστεία και γιατί είναι το σημαντική και αγία. Βέβαια όπως ξαναείπαμε σε προηγούμενες εκπομπές αυτά τα θέματα δεν μπορούν να αναλυθούν και να τεκμηριωθούν σε 5 και 10 λεπτά της ώρας. Αλλά ελπίζω με τη βοήθεια του Θεού αυτά τα λίγα που θα αναφέρουμε να είναι αρκετά για να καταλάβετε γιατί είμαστε υποχρεωμένοι να νηστεύουμε εφόσον θέλουμε να λεγόμαστε Ορθόδοξοι Χριστιανοί. Θα ξεκινήσω πολύ απλά με ένα βασικό λόγο του Χριστού μας, ο οποίος μας λέει «Ο έχοντας εντολάς μου και τυρών αυτάς, εκείνους αισθήνου αγαπώνε». Άρα αυτός που αγαπάει πραγματικά τον Χριστό, τηρεί και υπακούει στις εντολές του. Για να δούμε λοιπόν τι μας λέει ο ίδιος ο Χριστός μας για την νηστεία. «Όταν δεν νηστεύετε, μη γίνεστε ως περί υποκριτές και ηθροποί». Και παρακάτω. Σύ δεν ιστεύον άλυψέ σου την κεφαλήν και το πρόσωπό σου νύψε. Βλέπετε αδελφοί μου τι μας λέει ο Κύριος μας για την ιστεία και πώς πρέπει να συμπεριφερόμαστε όταν ιστεύουμε. Ο ίδιος ο νομοθέτης, ο οποίος όχι μόνο ενομοθέτησε τις Αγίες του εντολές αφού προέρχονται από τον μόνον Άγιο και το Άγιο στόμα του, αλτιστήρισε κιόλα και το γνωρίζουμε όλοι μας πολύ καλά αυτό, όταν μετά το βαπτισμά του οδηγήθηκε από το Άγιο Πνεύμα στην έρημο, ημέρα στεσσαράκοντα, πειραζόμενος υπό του διαβόλου και ου κέφαγεν ουδέν εν τες ημέρες εκείνης. Όταν διαβάζει και ακούει κανείς αυτά τα λόγια της Αγίας Γραφής, υπάρχει περίπτωση να αρνηθεί την εντολή της νηστείας, την οποία τήρησε ο ίδιος ο Κύριος μας, ο οποίος σαν τέλειος Θεός και τέλειος άνθρωπος που είναι, την σεβάστηκε και ταπεινώθηκε παρόλο που δεν χρειαζόταν να μπει σε αυτή την διαδικασία, αλλά το έκανε μόνο και μόνο για να μας δείξει πόσο απαραίτητη είναι στην πνευματική μας ζωή εναντίον των παθών μας. Και όσο από εμάς τους γεμάτο πάθη αμαρτωλούς ανθρώπους μπορεί να πει και να ισχυριστεί ότι δεν χρειάζεται να νηστέψει από τη στιγμή που νηστεύει ο μόνος αναμάρτητος. Στο σημείο αυτό θα ήθελα να αναφέρω ακόμη ένα τελευταίο λόγο του Χριστού μας για την μεγάλη σημασία της νηστείας απευθυνόμενος στους μαθητές του όταν του ζητήθηκε να βγάλουν κάποια δαιμόνια από ένα νέο άνθρωπο και δεν μπόρεσαν. Τι τους λέει. Τούτο το γένος ουκ εκπορεύεται η μη εν προσευχή και νηστεία. Ποιος μετά από αυτό που ακούσαμε μόλις τώρα επιμένει ότι η νηστεία είναι ανώφελη και αχρίαστη όταν το ίδιο το Άγιον Στόμα του Χριστού μας μας παραπέμπει στην προσευχή και στην νηστεία για να βγούνε τα δαιμόνια ενός δαιμονισμένου και θα πρόσθετα και εγώ με τη σειρά μου για να βγούνε τα δαιμόνια των παθών μας που είναι ριζωμένα βαθιά μέσα μας. Αυτά περί νηστείας από τους λόγους του Χριστού μας. Λίγο παρακάλω θα αναφέρω τι λένε οι Άγιοι και τα βιβλία της Εκκλησίας μας για την νηστεία. Τώρα θα ήθελα να δούμε πότε μπαίνει στη ζωή της Εκκλησίας η νηστεία ως εντολή του ίδιου του Θεού. Θα πάμε αρκετά πίσω και συγκεκριμένα μέσα στον Παράδεισο, όταν ο Θεός απαγόρευσε τους πρωτόπλους να φάνε από τον απαγορευμένο καρπό του δέντρου του καλού και του κακού, ενώ είχαν στη διάθεση τους όλα τα υπόλοιπα. Τι τους λέει λοιπόν, «Από παντός ξύλου του εν το Παραδείσο βρώσει φαγή, από δε του ξύλου του γινόσκιν καλών και πονηρών 
ου φάγεστε από αυτού. Το ου φάγεστε κατά τον Μέγα Βασίλειο νηστείας εστί νομοθεσία. Βλέπετε αδελφοί πόσο αρχαίος είναι ο θεσμός της νηστείας. Ενομοθετήθη μέσα στον παράδεισο και συνεχίζει παρακάτω. Εάν νηστεύαν οι πρωτόπλαστοι τότε δεν θα ήταν ανάγκη να νηστέψουμε εμείς σήμερα. Δεν είναι λοιπόν η αμαρτία ο ίδιος ο καρπός αλλά η παρακοή στην εντολή του Θεού. Το ίδιο συμβαίνει και με εμάς σήμερα. Δεν αμαρτάνουμε επειδή τρώμε το κρέας ή το γάλα και οποιαδήποτε άλλη τροφή. Εξάλλου όλα είναι δώρα και αγαθά του Θεού. Αλλά επειδή κάνουμε παρακοή στην Εκκλησία η οποία ορίζει το τι πρέπει να φάμε ή όχι ανάλογα με την περίοδο που διανύουμε. Θα ήθελα να τονίσω εδώ ότι όπως θα πρέπει να τηρούμε τις υπόλοιπες εντολές του Χριστού, το ίδιο ακριβώς θα πρέπει να κάνουμε και με την εντολή της νηστείας. Δεν υπάρχουν μικρές και μεγάλες εντολές, όλες είναι ισότιμες και εισάξιες. Ας δούμε όμως τώρα πώς βίωσαν οι Άγιοι της Εκκλησίας μας την Αγία Νηστεία. Ο Τίμιος Πρόδομος έζησε μέσα στην έρημο και η μόνη του τροφή ήταν άγριο μέλι και χόρτα. Ήταν δηλαδή η ζωή του μία συνεχής νηστεία και όχι όπως συμβαίνει σε εμάς σήμερα δύο φορές την εβδομάδα δηλαδή κάθε Τάρτη και Παρασκευή εις ανάμνηση της προδοσίας και σταυρώσεως του Κυρίου μας, τις δύο τεσσαρακοστές των Χριστουγέννων και του Πάσχα, τις 14 ημέρες πριν από τον 15 Αύγουστο και των Αγίων Αποστόλων. Διαρκής νηστεία, το καταλαβαίνετε. Η νηστεία ανέβασε στον τρίτο ουρανό και τον Απόστολο Παύλο που την απαρίθμησε ανάμεσα στα καυχήγματα για τις λήψεις του. Ο Θεόπτης Μωυσής, ύστερα από προσευχή και νηστεία 40 ημερών, ανέβηκε στην κορυφή του Όρσινα για να παραλάβει τις πλάγες των δέκα εντολών. Οι Νινεβίτες, εάν δεν είχαν ανταποκριθεί στο κάλισμα του προφήτου Ιωνά για τριήμερη νηστεία και μετάνια, δεν θα γλιτώναν την καταστροφή τους. Ο προφήτης Δανιήλ για 20 ημέρες δεν έφαγε ψωμί ούτε ήπια νερό, με αποτέλεσμα τα λιοντάρια στα οποία τον ρίξανε να μην τον πειράξουνε. Ο προφήτης Σαμουήλ υπήρξε η μητέρα του Άννα, αφού νύστεψε, προσευχήθηκε στο Θεό και του ζήτησε ένα παιδί με την υπόσχεση να το αφιερώσει σε εκείνον. Το ίδιο συνέβη και με την Παναγία μα. Η ίδια υπήρξε καρπό τη εξαντλητική νηστεία, προσευχή και εγκρατεία των γονέων τη Ιωακήμ και Άννη. Ακόμη και σήμερα στι ημέρε μα συναντούμε περιπτώσει ζευγαριών που δυσκολεύονται να αποκτήσουν παιδιά, οι οποίοι καταφεύγουν στην Αγία Άννα και μετά από ειδικό κανόνα νηστεία 40 ημερών συλλαμβάνουν παιδιά. Ο προφήτη Ηλία με θείο ζήλο και νηστεία. Αξιώθηκε τη θεία δόξη και μεγαλειότητα. Ο Μωυσής για να πάρει την ομοθεσία για δεύτερη φορά, χρειάστηκε και δεύτερη νηστεία. Τον μεγάλο ήρωα Σαμψόν, τι ήταν εκείνο που τον έκανε ακαταμάχητο, η νηστεία. Με την νηστεία συνελήφθη στα σπλάχνα τη μητέρα του. Η νηστεία τον γέννησε, η νηστεία τον θύλασε, η νηστεία τον ανέθρεψε, η νηστεία εκείνη που όρισε ο Άγγελο. Το παιδί που θα γεννηθεί δεν θα πρέπει να γευθεί κανένα από τα προϊόντα του αμπελιού. Δεν θα πιει κρασί ούτε κανένα άλλο δυνατό ποτό. Ποιοι άφησαν τα πτώματά του στην έρημο, θυμάστε. Όσο οι Ισραηλίτες τρεφώνησαν μόνο με το μάνα, νικούσαν τους εχθρούς τους και κανείς τους δεν αρρώστανε. Όταν όμως θυμήθηκαν τις χύτρες με τα κρέατα και νοστάργησαν τη δουλεία στην Αίγυπτο, τιμωρήθηκαν. Πέθαναν στην έρημο και δεν αξιώθηκαν να δουν τη γη της επαγγελίας. Δεν πρέπει να μας διδάσκει το παράδειγμα αυτό. Δεν θα πρέπει να ανησυχούμε μήπω με την πολυφαγία μα και την παρακοή στην εντολή τη νηστεία αποκλειστούμε από την ουράνια γη τη Ευαγγελία. Οι Άγιοι Απόστολοι ενίστευαν όταν ίδρυαν στον κόσμο τι πρώτε χριστιανικέ εκκλησίε. Οι Άγιοι Ασκητέ του Σινά, τη Θηβαίδο, τη Λάβρα του Αγίου Σάβα και των Σπηλαιών του Κιέβου, του Αγίου Όρου και οπουδήποτε αλλού να τον κόσμο διακρινόντουσαν για του ασκητικού του αγώνε, την αδιάλειπτη προσευχή, την εγκράτεια, την αγρυπνία και την αγία νηστεία. Δεν είναι αρκετό μόνο να κρεμάμε του Αγίου στου τοίχου των σπιτιών μα σαν διακοσμητικά στοιχεία, αλλά θα πρέπει να εμπνεόμαστε από αυτού και να μιμούμαστε την δύσκολη και σκληρή μεν αλλά αγία του ζωή. 
Ας δούμε τώρα τα ωφέλη που αποκομίζει κανείς όταν τηρεί την εντολή της νηστείας μέσα από τα γραπτά και τους λόγους των Αγίων Πατέρων της Εκκλησίας μας. Ο Άγιος Γρηγόρης ο Παλαμάς γράφει για την νηστεία. Η νηστεία και η εγκράτεια συντελούν όχι μόνο προς την αρετή αλλά και προς την θεοσέβεια. Ο Δέμεγας Βασίλειος γράφει «Η κυριαρχία της γαστρός είναι σοφρονισμός των παθών. Ο σοφρονισμός των παθών είναι αταραξία και γαλήνη της ψυχής. Η γαλήνη της ψυχής είναι γονιμότερη πηγή αρετών. Και συνεχίζει «Η αρετή πρέπει να επιδιώκεται και με τους κόπους του σώματος και με τις ασκήσεις της ψυχής». Ο Άγιος Σημείων, ο νέος θεολόγος μας λέει η νηστεία είναι η ιατρό των ψυχών μα. Έχει τη συνήθεια σε άλλο να περιορίζει τι πυρώσει και τι κινήσει τη σαρκό, σε άλλο να μαλακώνει το θυμό, σε άλλο να καθαρίζει το νου και να τον καθιστά ελεύθερο από πονηρού λογισμού, σε άλλο να δαμάζει την αδάμα στη γλώσσα και να την κατευθύνει με τον φόβο του Θεού σαν χαλινάρι και να μην την αφήνει καθόλου να προφέρει λόγου αργού ή κακού. Και αλλού λέγει: Η νηστεία είναι αρχή και θεμέλιο κάθε πνευματική εργασία. Η νηστεία είναι νόμο θείο. Και αυτού που τολμούν να τον παραβαίνουν, ο διάβολο του παραλαμβάνει και του μαστιγώνει. Ο Άγιο Κοσμά, ο Ετόλο, μα λέει: Η ελεημοσύνη, η αγάπη και η νηστεία αγιάζει τον άνθρωπο και τον πλουτίζει και σωματικά και ψυχικά. Ο Δέα Βασπιμίν, η νηστεία είναι παθοκτόνο και όχι σωματοκτόνο. Θα μπορούσαμε να αναφέρουμε πάρα πολλού λόγου Αγίων Πατέρων για την μεγάλη αρετή τη νηστεία, αλλά ο χρόνο που έχουμε στην διάθεσή μα δεν το επιτρέπει. Δεν θέλω να πω πολύ περιληπτικά. Ότι η νηστεία δεν είναι μόνο η αποφυγή κάποιων τροφών, αλλά κυρίω η αποχή των αμαρτιών. Πολύ εύστοχα γράφει ο Άγιο Ιωάννη ο Χρυσότομο: Ουκ αποχήν βρωμάτων, αλλά αποχήν πλημελημάτων εργάζεται νηστεία. Η νηστεία έχει ω σκοπό να μα βοηθήσει να ξεριζώσουμε τα πάθη μα και να τα αντικαταστήσουμε με τι θείε αρετέ, αλλά πάντα σε συνδυασμό με την μετάνοια, την ταπείνωση, την εγκράτεια, την προσευχή, την ελεημοσύνη. Αλλιώ καταντά φαρισαϊκή νηστεία με κέντρο το εγώ του ανθρώπου. Ο τελικό σκοπό τη νηστεία είναι η καθαρότητα τη ψυχή από τα ψυχοφθόρα πάθη. Η αληθινή νηστεία πλησιάζει τον άνθρωπο προ τον Θεό και την ψυχή ανεβάζει προ τον ουρανό. Νηστεία χωρί αρετή είναι σαν τον νεκρό άνθρωπο που δεν έχει ψυχή. Όποιο χριστιανό, αδελφοί μου, καταφρονεί την Αγία Νηστεία, δεν εννοεί ότι το πνεύμα του χριστιανισμού είναι πνεύμα ταπεινώσεω, πτωχία, ασκήσεω και δουλαγωγία τη σαρκό. Όπω είναι και πνεύμα αγάπη και ελευθερία. Ναι, αδελφοί μου, αυτή είναι η αλήθεια για την ιστεία, το θέλουμε δεν το θέλουμε. Μα αρέσει ή δεν μα αρέσει. Την ημέρα τη κρίση δεν θα υπάρχουν δικαιολογίε τι οποίε παρουσιάζουμε σήμερα στον έναν και στον άλλον για να δικαιολογήσουμε τα αδικαιολόγητα. Του ανθρώπου μπορούμε να του κοροϊδέψουμε, τον Θεό όμω όχι. Βέβαια, υπάρχουν πολλοί χριστιανοί που έχουν πραγματικά και σοβαρά προβλήματα υγεία, οι οποίοι πάντοτε μα πάντοτε σε συνεννόηση με τον πνευματικό του πατέρα και όχι αυτόβουλα και μόνοι. Θα ακολουθούν ειδικό πρόγραμμα νηστεία αναλόγω των δυνάμεών του. Η ασθένεια ταπεινώνει το σώμα και δεν χρειάζεται να το καταπονούμε περισσότερο με την νηστεία. Ο ιερό Χρυσότομο αναφέρεται και στι περιπτώσει αυτών των ανθρώπων που δεν δίνονται να νηστεύσουν, λέγοντά του ότι οφείλουν να πράττουν περισσότερε αγαθοεργίε. Κλείνοντα, θα ήθελα να παραθέσω έναν αποστολικό κανόνα, ο οποίο καθαίρει του κληρικού και αφορίζει του λαϊκού, οι οποίοι παρεκτό λόγου μόνο δεν νηστεύουν. Και με ένα τροπάριο από το εκκλησιαστικό μα βιβλίο Τριώδιων που χρησιμοποιούμε αυτή την περίοδο. Ο Αποστολικό 69 Κανόνα έχει ω εξή: Ή τη Επίσκοπο, ή Πρεσβύτερο, ή Διάκονο, ή Υποδιάκονο, ή Αναγνώστη, ή Ψάλτη, την Αγία Τεσσαρακοστήν του Πάσχα, ουνιστεύει, ή Τετράδα, ή Παρασκευήν, καθερίστο. Εκτό ημιδιασθένεια σωματική, εμποδίζει το. Ή δε λαϊκό ή. 
αφοριζέστο. Το τροπάριον έχει ως εξή. Διανυστίας καθαρθήνες πεύσομεν του ρήπου των πτεσμάτων ημών και διελαίους και φιλανθρωπίας της προς τους πένιτας εισελθύνης των ημφώνα του νηφίου Χριστού του παρέχοντος ημίν το Μέγα Έλεος. Αγαπητοί μου χριστιανοί, φτάσαμε στο τέλος της σημερινής μας εκπομπής. Σας εύχομαι καλή και ευλογημένη τεσσαρακοστή. Ο Θεός μαζί μας. Χαίρετε. Today's Gospel reading is from Mark chapter 8 verses 34 to 38 and chapter 9 verse 1. The Lord said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. I'd like to welcome Padre Pavlo onto the radio program and as always he'll be explaining the gospel to us by phone. Christiani Akroatas to Radiofonico Programatos της Ιεράς Αρχιεπισκοπής Νέας Ζηλανδίας. Κυρίες και κύριοι, my beloved listeners to the radio program of the Sacred Archdiocese of New Zealand, thank you for listening. Um, now to getting to our gospel reading which we just heard today. Ο Χριστός, ο αγαπητός μας σωτήρας, μας λέει, όποιος θέλει, ο πίσω μου εισελθήν, απαρνητάσω εαυτόν και αράτω τον σταυρόν αυτού. Όσοι θέλει, δηλαδή όποιος θέλει, ο Χριστός δεν πιέζει κανέναν. Αυτό το κήρυγμα μπορείτε να το ακούσετε πάρα πολλές φορές από τον δικό μας Αρχιεπίσκοπο, που το τονίζει συνεχώς, ότι ο Χριστός δεν πιέζει κανένας άνθρωπος. Όλοι μας είμαστε ελεύθεροι. Και αυτό είναι πολύ σημαντικό, γιατί... Μερικοί νομίζω ότι η Εκκλησία α, πιέζει τον άνθρωπο να κάνει ό,τι θέλει η Εκκλησία. Η Εκκλησία δεν πιέζει κανέναν άνθρωπο. Θέλει μόνο τον άνθρωπο να σκεφτεί καλά-καλά τι είναι το σωστό και να ακολουθήσει το σωστό δρόμο. Αυτό που θα τον εφέρνει στην ανάσταση και στην ερχόμενη ζωή, δηλαδή στην αιωνιότητα. Uh, our Archbishop is one of the people who very frequently uh, underlines this very important point that Jesus Christ said, whoever wishes, let him come after me. Whoever wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and, and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes, whoever desires, it's not a forced thing. Christ is not forcing anyone. And we ourselves, we hear the Archbishop saying it many times, we ourselves declare the same thing, that it is not a forced thing to follow Christ and to take up one's cross. People oftentimes criticize the church. Oh, the church is forcing people to do this or forcing them to do that. To be honest with you, the church cannot force anyone to do anything. We don't have a police force. We don't have weapons. We just have our words. And with those words, we encourage people 
to think clearly about their life. What is the point of your life? Why did God give it to you? What was it, what's its intention? How long do you have in this life? What are you going to use it for? What will you say at the judgment seat? We have to think clearly and logically about these things and say to ourselves, what is the point of my life? Μερικοί που δεν πιστεύουν στο Θεό λένε ότι ο, ο λόγος της ζωής είναι μόνο διασκέδαση. Αλλά βεβαίως για να διασκεδάζει κανείς πρέπει να δουλέψει. Και λένε ότι η δουλειά είναι μόνο να μπορέσει να διασκεδάζεις μετά. There are some people who have the silly understanding that the point of life is to have a good time. And they think, therefore, that the work that they have is just to provide the funds so they can have a good time. That the whole point of their life is to have a good time. And so anyone who comes to us with needs, other than those that are involved with our having a good time, we look at them with suspicion and sometimes with anger because they are asking for us something that might keep us from our goal of having a good time. Ο άνθρωπος που μόνο σκέφτεται για τον εαυτό του και μόνο σκέφτεται για διασκέδαση έχει δυσκολία να βλέπει έναν άλλο άνθρωπο που έχει ανάγκες. Τον βλέπει και στεναχωρεί. Λέει, μα αυτός γιατί δεν περιφρονείται για τον εαυτό του, γιατί εγώ να να τον βοηθήσω. The person who is very self-centered, he says to himself, why is it my problem that so-and-so is is sick or so-and-so is in need of uh, financial aid or so-and-so is hungry? That's not my problem. Let them take care of their own problems. Keep them away from me. Αλλά η αργά ή γρήγορα έρχεται η αρρώστια, έρχεται η ανάγκη σε μας. Και μετά τι θα λέμε αυτό που είπαμε, σε ποιον θα το πούμε ξανά αυτό που είπαμε, ότι τι, τι εγώ να στενοχωρηθώ για τον άλλον. Ποιος θα στενοχωρηθεί για μας λοιπόν. There is a beautiful story in the, um, the life of Mother Teresa. Some of you have heard of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And as you know, she was an Albanian woman who, of course, was a member of the Roman Catholic Church and followed the monastic calling. But in many ways, her life was very similar to our own monachias. She lived a life of great poverty and great dedication to God. And the story is that when she went to Calcutta, she saw there, of course, many people who were hungry, many people who were in need. But most importantly, she saw people who were dying in the streets without anyone to comfort them. And she thought that that was inhuman that a human being should at least have dignity in death. And so she went about trying to help those people. Άμα έχετε ακούσει την ιστορία τη Μαρία Τερέσα, αυτή που ήταν μοναχή των καθολικών, αυτή που ήταν από την Αλβανία καταγωγή, αλλά αυτή ακολουθούσε το δρόμο όπως συνήθως οι δικές μας μοναχές ακολουθούν. Έμεινε σε φτώχεια για να παρακολουθήσει το δρόμο του Χριστού. Και αυτή όταν πήγε στη Καλκούτα είδε πολλά πράγματα. Βεβαίως ένα πράγμα που είδε που ήταν πιο σημαντικό είδε ότι ο άνθρωπος εκεί πεθότανε, επέθανε δηλαδή χωρίς παρηγοριά. Και λέει αυτό δεν πρέπει να γίνει. Ο άνθρωπος είναι εικόνα Θεού. Πρέπει εγώ να τον βοηθήσω να μην είναι χωρίς παρηγοριά στις τελευταίες στιγμές. And with this attitude of caring for the, the dying, she went to a Hindu uh, temple and asked permission to use a portion of that temple which was unused at that time as a place of hospitality for the dying. And the Hindu priest told her, what do you would expect? No. 
και πήγε αυτή η κυρία η, η μοναχή σε έναν ιερέα των Ινδών ζητώντας ένα δωμάτιο μια αίθουσα που είχε αυτός στο ναό του που ήταν άδειο και χωρίς δεν λειτουργήσε δηλαδή και πήγε να ζητήσει αυτό το δωμάτιο για να είναι μέρος για, τον, για τους ανθρώπους που πεθαίνονται και το ζήτησε και ο άνθρωπος αυτός είπε όχι After some days though this fellow himself became ill and so ill that he was one of those dying in the streets and with no one to care for him except for the sisters of mercy who were the sisters of mother Maria Teresa Και ο άνθρωπος αυτός λοιπόν άρρωσε και αυτός και ήταν και αυτός το δρόμο ένας από αυτούς που πεθότανε και, και έρχεται οι, οι αδερφές της μητέρας Τερέσας και έρχεται κοντά του και τον βοηθούν χωρίς να ξέρουν ότι είναι ο ίδιος ο άνθρωπος και τον βοηθούν και αυτός έγινε καλά αντί να πεθάνει έγινε καλύτερα και τότε μετά νόησε έκανε βαθιά μετανόηση και έστριψε στην α, μητέρα Τερέσα και έδωσε αυτό το δωμάτιο για το μέρος των, για τον, α, τους πολύ άσχημος ασθενείς και πήγε αυτός και βοήθησε τους ασθενείς. This is an interesting story because this man repented finally. He saw that this need was great and he changed his mind. He realized that he could be the one who is suffering next and that repentance was real and profound. It's enough for us to remember this little tiny passage of scripture and it can change our whole life. Ostis θέλειο πίσωμο εισελθήν απαρνησάσω εαυτόν και αράτο τον σταυρόν αυτού και ακολουθήτο μου μη. Whoever wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Remember that your efforts in your Christian life, they have to be given from yourself freely and then God will give you great blessings. Ευχαριστούμε πάρα πολύ που ακούσατε σήμερα το μικρό μου λόγο. Ελπίζω ο Θεός να σας ευλογήσει. All of you who are listening today and hoping that these words help to touch your hearts and move you toward Christ. As we're nearing the end of our time together today, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Holy Metropolis of New Zealand's Christian Orthodox broadcast on Wellington's Access Radio 106.1 FM and hope you'll join us again next Sunday. I'd like to thank all our fathers for the inspiration and help we get from them, and a special thanks today to Fathers Pablos, Melatios and Thaddeos. We would like to wish all our listeners a blessed Lent, full of repentance and enlightenment, and look forward to seeing you soon. Hierate. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.